right. Well, we got an absolute special treat today. We have got a Bellator PFL tough semifinalist veteran with us. One of the biggest names to ever come out of the state of Utah, Caitlin Neal. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Happy to be here. Oh my goodness. It is so fun to talk to you because we get to work a little bit behind the scenes together on the commentary side. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but we're here more to talk about you, your career, and just all the accolades that you have amounted throughout the entirety of your career. So I do want to kick things off, uh, talk a little bit about August. Obviously didn't go your way, but it was a controversial decision and you got the opportunity to fight on a huge stage. So I just kind of want to give you the floor, talk a little bit about August and what that meant to you to be able to fight on that card. Yeah, totally. I mean, it was awesome being able to open up a PFL card and I fought in Madison Square Garden, which was iconic. So, I mean, that was awesome in and of itself. Um, the fight, I personally <laughs> I personally thought I won. Um, I thought I did enough to pull out the decision, but obviously one of the judges was choosing her. Well, I guess two of the judges uh, chose her. One of the judges chose me and unfortunately it didn't go my way. Um, but I've had, I think I had more support over that loss than any of my wins ever. Like it was kind of crazy how many people showed up and commented on my post and were like, you got robbed and stuff. Because <laughs> I was expecting trolls to come out and be like, you definitely lost or like <laughs> come at me. But everyone supported me and it was kind of awesome. And I was like, mm, all right, this kind of sucks. I lost half my paycheck, but it is what it is. We've got to move on. Yeah. Like I kind of wanted to ask you about that. Like you had so many people, one reaching out to you, but on top of that, like, have you ever had that experience before where you're kind of on the short end of a decision or something like that? And you do see just this outpour of support. I mean, honestly, no, I feel like a lot of people like to kick you when you're down, especially in like MMA, they'll come out of the woodworks and be like, you suck. You should stop fighting. You're like awful and all this stuff. But, um, everyone basically came out and we we're was like, I gave you that decision. You're an awesome fighter. Keep going, put this one behind you. And it's kind of cool to um, be on the other end of that, where people are actually like positive about a loss instead of just like pouring some salt on the wound. I mean, obviously you're one of the biggest fighters, I would say in the entire country. I mean, obviously your social following is massive. You do huge numbers. And so that comes with obviously popularity, good and bad. How much has that kind of been a difficult adjustment over the years to go from, you know, a regional fighter up to now you're on these big stages and a lot of people know who you are. So you do have to deal with the trolls and the praises on side on the other side of it. Yeah, no, when I was losing, um, when my record was like one in three at the beginning of my career, I wasn't, I didn't have like a huge social media following so I could get away with it. But around the time where I was like four and four, um, just evening out my record, um, I had so many people telling me that I sucked. I needed to quit. I needed to give it up and all this stuff. And they were just like awful to me. And then I had back-to-back -back knee surgeries. And then it was like to a point where I was even questioning it myself. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm like, is this even worth it? I'm like putting my body through it. But deep down, I knew I'm like, I am a better fighter than what I'm showing. So I just had to kind of like ignore the ne negativity, um, put that behind me and then focus on what I could do. And then once I started building up a few wins, um, I went six and one in a couple of fights. And then all of a sudden I'm like awesome again. And everybody's like loving me and they think I'm an awesome fighter and I don't give up and like all this stuff. So I was able to turn it around, but there was a few people that I like do know. And I noticed that supported me even when my record was like one and three or four and four. And I kind of like sucked. Um, 
they like supported me all through that and they stuck with me through the wins and the losses and I really noticed that so it's kind of cool to see like that side of it where people are like true fans and true supporters and then it's also nice to be on the other end where you're like feel like you're actually a good fighter again was there a moment I'm always curious when fighters start off a little bit rough and then they end up really exploding and, and blossoming into an incredible fighter similar to the story and the summary that you just gave to us was there a moment or a specific thing that happened in your career, your preparation that changed in order for you to go from someone who was around a 500 record to again, winning six of your last seven prior to this last fight? I think the biggest thing for me was preparation. I, my gym was going through a really rough patch. I started out that pip elevated and the owners sold the pit, a new owners came in, a bunch of people quit. It was a lot of drama at our gym. And so you can kind of see my career almost like coincide with what was happening at the gym and my preparation. Um, and so once I switched up my mindset and then um, I started training at syndicate a little bit after a couple wins and started training with more women and like women on high levels. And um, that started building my confidence more knowing that I could hang out or I could hang with these women who fight in the UFC um, on the mats. And so I'm like, okay, if I can hang with these women in practice, then I can definitely beat this girl in a fight. Um, so that kind of just built my confidence. And um, that's what really helped me because in Utah, I'm lucky. I am lucky if there's like maybe one, two other girls on the mat. And so I was always just kind of like guessing where I was at. I always knew I was like athletic and I was strong for a girl, but I never knew how good I actually was as a girl. So it was nice to be able to actually compare myself side by side by some of the best in the world. I do just want to ask you a little bit about being on the PFL. Obviously you've been with some big shows, but one thing that I talked about with Mitch Ramirez a couple of months ago before he went on Dana White's Contender Series was that he was so glad that he was a part of a show that is so well run, that there's tons of people all around him to make sure that his fighting experience is as, is as good as it possibly can be. What is that transition from the regional scene from the regional scene up to now being at a show like the PFL where there's a lot of people around you and a, a lot more people to help you out? Um, yeah, so we're working with the PFL is so fun and it's awesome. Like they do photo shoots, they do your hair and they make it seem like they actually like care about you as a fighter. They care about your well-being. They care about how you do, how you perform, um, if you're taken care of. And they really just cater to you that week of the fight. And even like leading up to the fight, they take care of you. They make sure that you have everything you need. And um, it seems like a more fighter forward promotion that I've fought for. Um, cause I fought for like a, a lot of promotions and so far I've had the best experience with PFL. And then I'd also probably have to say Invicta is also, um, head to head with PFL, but PFL probably has like a little bit more of a budget to treat me a little bit better. Caitlin, I'm sure you know this, but just a couple of weeks ago, you surpassed your 10 year anniversary of your first amateur fight. And I just wanted to ask you, when you first made that walk, when you first entered into an MMA gym, did you ever think that your career would take you to the places that you have gone and seen? I mean, training alongside Amanda Nunes and so many other big names. Did you ever think that you'd get to that point or what was the mentality when you started over 10 years ago? Okay, so when I started, I had no idea who Amanda Nunes was. I didn't know who Ronda Rousey was. I didn't know anything. Like, I was a clean slate. I just saw two girls fight on some local, 
like I'm on a local promotion and I was like, I'm going to do that. And so I walked into a gym. I had no idea what a jab was. I had no idea what a cross was, but I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to see how far I can take it. And this is a sport I can compete in up until like my late thirties. And so that's why I want to do this. Um, so <laughs> that was my intention is just, uh, finding something that would like keep my hands preoccupied, uh, all through my twenties and, th- and my thirties. Now, I know you were a cheerleader prior to that. And and you were, were you a collegiate cheerleader? You tried out for a team. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. So the reason like why I tell people I fight is I didn't make the college cheer team. So I started fighting. Um, so I didn't make the college team because they were looking for flyers. And that's like the littler girls that they throw up in the air. I was always one of like the meatier or stronger girls that would lift the girls up in the air. And so unfortunately, I wasn't really what they were looking for. So. Would you say there was any skill transition or transfer from cheerleading over to MMA? I don't think I've ever asked you this before, but I am very curious of that. Um, definitely. I would recommend anybody, boy or girl, take gymnastics as a base. Um, it gives you really good body awareness where your body's at in space. Um, it also gives you a nice athletic base to go like perform at any sport, whether it's like football, baseball, whatever, um, it can transition into any of those. Um, and with fighting, I feel like it's really transitioned in with my kicks. Um, so that is where I notice it most, but I think what has also really helped me with my background being in cheerleading and dancing, um, is I'm able to mimic the moves of what I see. And so, um, I'm really focused on like technique a lot and like making it look good, um, which can also be a downfall sometimes. <laughs> uh, sometimes I wish I could just like let loose and throw a little bit more uh, haymakers. But um, I think with like cheerleading and like that dance background, I was able to pick up the moves pretty quickly. What would you say is more technical, tumbling and cheerleading and all the different things that come along with that sport or MMA slash grappling, striking, whatever it may be? That is so hard. Um, because with cheerleading and tumbling like you're flipping upside down you're doing spins while you're upside down in the air so that is like really hard and not everybody can do that um with mma i feel like pretty much everyone could do a takedown if they're taught everyone could do jujitsu if they're taught everyone could do punching if they're taught but not everyone's gonna throw a backflip out there so um i'm gonna have to say probably gymnastics specifically but um as far as like how what is actually harder i would definitely say fighting's harder i do want to ask you over the 10 years 18 opponents i mean you have had so many opportunities over the course of your career is there any specific fight or a specific opponent that you had that made it go from oh this is something that's fun to you really learned something i know this is kind of a vague question but is there any specific fight that sticks out to you that kind of changed your either trajectory or your thoughts on what you were doing on a day-to-day basis in terms of your mma career Um, I don't know if it was one of my personal fights that probably changed my mind or my mindset. I knew that as soon as I like walked into a gym, I'm like, I'm going to give this all I've got. I'm going to go take this like to the highest level. Like, I think the first day I walked in, I was like, okay, how far can I go? And like, what's the highest level girls can do this at? And I think at the time it was strike force, like girls weren't even allowed in the UFC back then. That's how long I've been doing this. That's like kind of like weird to say. Um, but I think like the fight that like inspired me the most was probably like Holly Holm versus Ronda Rousey when she had kick knocked her out. I'm like, I could do that. I'm like, I throw head kicks like that. I'm like, I think I could do this. I'm like, this is going to be like really fun for me. And I'm going to just try my best. 
Thinking about just you, your career, you have had doors opened because of what you have been able to do within the cage, be it your personal training business, releasing a book a couple of months ago. Uh, I think about your social media following. I mean, so many things have come from your fight career. And I'm curious, when did those opportunities start to pile in? At what moment did your life kind of start to change from being a regular fighter who fights on the regional scene to, oh, shoot, I kind of have like a national name and a presence? Yeah. So I started working with this company called Idle Fit. It was a supplement company and they started teaching me how to market myself. And I've never, like, I think that's what fighters miss is they just don't know how to market themselves. They're like, well, if I'm good enough fighter, I don't have to like promote myself. My fights promote them or my fights promote me, whatever. And, um, so working at Idle Fit, I learned how to like promote myself, post things that people are interested about and that give them value and that kind of stuff. So once I started working for that company and learning how to promote myself and people actually started like following me and like were interested in what I was doing I'm like okay I think I kind of got something here like I have a lot like I have more followers than a lot of girls who have multiple fights in the UFC and so it's like why does this random girl who like is like on PFL or like even back when I was fighting like on regional scenes I had more followers than people who were um, in the UFC. Um, and I think it's just because I try to give value to people who follow me. I try to make it entertaining. I try to give them behind the scenes. I try to like give them workouts or like stuff to do, educate them, um, and kind of like crack jokes along the way and try to give the more human side behind the fighter. Yeah. Was there a moment that you kind of knew that you wanted to start to provide value more than just have a social media presence, but start to open up a business and start to move uh, towards, you know, creating money outside of fighting, like your personal training business. Yeah. So I looked up to Uriah Faber for that because he like would talk about it all the time. He's like, you have to have a business outside of fighting. One, one day you're going to be done fighting and the money's going to be gone. So you need to have like a plan to like, you're going to, you have to utilize it while your name is big. And so I always kind of like kept those words in the back of my mind and then kind of opportunities would pop up, whether it's like photo shoots or sponsorships or applying for the ultimate fighter, like stuff like that. Um, it all kind of just like came together and I loved fitness coaching. Like that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, and that's how I like wanted to make money before I found fighting. And so I was able to kind of like mesh them together and pull people who want a personal trainer, um, from people who like watch my fights. I think that perfectly segues into this next question that I have, and that's talking a little bit selfishly as someone who is obsessed with broadcasting and loves it more than anything else in the entire world. You have just knocked it out of the park the last couple of times that we've had you on the commentary team. And that's another place where, you know, you get to take your interest and your skills and kind of move it into a new skill that you are learning and developing. And I'm curious, what got you interested in wanting to do something like commentary when you reached out to us earlier on this year? Yeah, so I knew I wanted to be involved in the fight world even after I was done fighting. So I wanted to kind of um, start dipping my toes in the water of commentating um, because I didn't want to like just get randomly put on a big stage and never have done it before and just like stutter my way through it. So I'm like, what should I do to like build some experience? I'm like, okay, I know Zach, I know Blake, I'll reach out to them, see if they need any commentators. Um, and luckily you guys were like, yep, come on, come and help us out. And, um, I had fun doing it and I feel like we kind of like feed off each other really well. And so 
that's kind of my mindset behind it. But I always kind of wanted to do something where I stayed involved in fighting. And I feel like that is a way that I could do that. Yeah, you really do an amazing job. I mean, we absolutely love and we try to save you for kind of those bigger cards, those bigger opportunities, mainly because you do such an amazing job. I was just talking to our director, Jordan Buscarini, a couple of days ago. And I was like, yeah, we got Caitlin for November. And he was like, perfect. She's like, as good as they get when it comes to commentary, you just bring such a great professional approach to it. And we absolutely love it. Perfect fit for the show. And I'm just curious when it comes to broadcasting, you've only done a couple shows, but is there anything that kind of surprised you or something that took you back? Oh, I didn't realize that they have to do it this way. Or, oh, I didn't think that this is what they have to do in order to get the show going. Totally. Yeah. So I think it was before we even had our first broadcast together. I think you hopped on a phone call with us and you ran us through everything that was going to happen and kind of like what I would say, what you would say and that kind of stuff. And I had no idea that there were people that would say certain things at certain times. And so I'm like, oh, shoot, like I shouldn't talk now. I should talk now. Like, and so it was kind of interesting to me that it's like a little bit more choreographed than what I thought it was. I thought thought it was kind of more of just like a free for all. You kind of just say whatever. Um, So there's a lot more work and thought that goes into this. And it's um, like hats off to you because I feel like you run the show so perfectly. And if I didn't have your like notes leading up to the fights, I would not do as well as I do. So. Oh, well, you do an amazing job. Last question from me. I just kind of wanted to ask you, obviously, I don't expect you to break any news here about a new opponent or anything like that. But I'm just curious, what's the plans? What's the rest of 2023 and the top of 2024 look like for Caitlin Neal? There is nothing planned for the rest of 2023. Unfortunately, PFL has on seasons and off seasons, and I won't be fighting for the rest of the year, which is kind of lame. But if they do do a million dollar tournament in my weight class, I am in it for next year. And I really hope it goes through. There's a chance that it might not. And so fingers crossed that that happens. So your girl can be a millionaire. We absolutely hope for that. Caitlin, Neal, you are seriously one of the gems of the entire MMA community here in the state of Utah. We absolutely love the opportunity to work with you and love the opportunity to be able to chat with you today. Thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me on anytime.